For some, this sound might be familiar, exciting even. And for others, this buzzing is the language of a foreign civilization. Maybe you have a full sleeve of tattoos. Pain is your pleasure. Or perhaps just some ink to honor grandma. For others, tattoos are just not your thing. The needles, the permanence, the decisions. How does one even choose what to get? I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. Wherever you fall on the spectrum, it's impossible to deny the strong presence of tattooing in New York City and beyond, for that matter. Although tattooing has become commonplace for many, it hasn't always been that way. I learned about the evolution of tattooing in New York City from a few different people. First, I met with Mike McCabe, a tattoo historian and retired tattoo artist. Mike brought me through the legalization of tattooing in New York City. Mihai Bacchetti, owner of Fine Line Tattoo in the East Village, welcomed me into one of the oldest tattoo shops in Manhattan. Angelo Scotto and Jasmine Rodriguez, artists at Champion Tattooing in the Bronx, shared their experiences in the ever-changing tattoo industry. And finally, Zoe Bean and her husband, Sweetie, revealed the glamour behind being full-time time parents and full-time tattoo artists. Mike McCabe was never discouraged by the dangerous, fringe-like reputation of tattooing in the mid-20th century. With a background in anthropology, Mike took his passion for people to the Bowery, where some of the most interesting characters resided during the 1970s. He documented his findings in his various books, most notably New York City Tattoo from 1997. 19, obviously, 70s and 80s, the Bowery was still the Bowery. They had SRO hotels. And, you know, these older gentlemen who aren't doing so well up and down the sidewalk. And I happened to notice that many of these gentlemen were tattooed. And so then, because of maybe my anthro background, I walked up to one of them one one day. He's like signing himself. And I introduced myself, and his name was Dennis, I'll never forget. Basically, Merchant Marine Sailor Tattoos. And he said, hey, kid. You know, there's a whole history of tattooing in New York. You've got to go to the library. There was an extensive history of tattooing in New York City that existed years before Mike McCabe entered the scene. So how different was tattooing during that heyday compared to today? It was a masculinized situation, like we were talking about before, hyper-masculinized. There was Millie Hull, who tattooed on the bar. She was obviously, I'm sure she could handle herself. But, you know, what is the stereotypical image of a tattooed person in the 1920s and 30s, a laborer, a sailor, right, a merchant mariner. And Mike was fortunate to meet tattooers of the 20s and 30s while exploring the Bowery. And so just by complete freakish luck, I end up on the Bowery and I catch the tail end of those gentlemen who then were in their 60s and 70s living in the SRO hotels. I used to go up into those hotels and, you know, look around. It was a pretty for real environment. Um... And I would introduce myself like I did with Dennis and talk with these gentlemen. And then they were like Dennis did. They would say, yeah, you got to look for this guy. you got you to look for that guy. While researching for one of his projects on tattooing, Mike got in contact with Brooklyn Blackie, a well-known tattooer from Coney Island. Then one afternoon, I got a phone call from my friend Clayton. He was like, McCabe, I just got a phone call from a guy named Brooklyn Blackie. And I'm like, that name, bing, goes off. I'm thinking, whoa. So Blackie had been kind of the... Um, what would you call it? The hero of New York City tattooing. He tattooed on Coney Island because tat- tattooing was 48th Street, Bowery, Sand Street, Coney Island because of, like, obviously the popular culture aspect. And Blackie had retired in 61 when tattooing was illegalized, and he disappeared. No one knew what happened to him. So then Clayton calls me. I get Blackie's phone number. I dial the number. Very scared. I was, like, 23 years old, so I, obviously I'm scared. 
this gentleman, older gentleman, well, picks up the phone. I said, hi, my name is Mike McCabe, and I got your phone number from a guy, and I'm working on this project. So I'm thinking, uh-oh, this could be bad. No, Blackie was a completely gracious. He goes, come up and visit me. So I'm like, what? <laughs> so I went and rented a car, and the next day, really, just raced up. He lived up in the, uh, in the Catskills. Sat down with him, and then through his graciousness, because he was a, extremely, I was told by people when I would mention Blackie, say, oh, he was such a nice guy, such a great guy, such a great guy. And yeah, he was. So that's why he was so gracious to me and invited me up. Had a great conversation. I actually videoed it, this old beat-up Sony video camera. And then having talked with Blackie, other older people like Crazy Philadelphia Eddie, well, tattooed on 47th Street, Coney Island Freddie, who obviously tattooed in Coney Island, Lou Rubino, who tattooed on 47th Street. When I mentioned Black, I, that I had found Blackie, they're like, wow, really? Amazing. Okay, I'll talk to you. If you talk to Blackie, I'll talk to you. Mike isn't just a tattoo historian either. He was also an artist himself. I started tattooing in 1980, and I tattooed until 92 or 93. There were very few people tattooing downtown. Maybe, there, you don't know, maybe a dozen people, if that, tattooing in Manhattan? Maybe. Or in the Bronx? Maybe. I think even though that it was still under the radar, it was still, quote, illegal. I mean, I paid my taxes every year. I just called myself an artist, right? I tattooed policemen. I tattooed firemen. The climate of tattooing shifted in the 1960s when tattooing became outlawed in New York City. It wasn't until 1991 that tattooing was legally recognized. Some people thought that there was some kind of a hepatitis scare that maybe created a situation. I've talked to health people who told me, no, there was no hepatitis scare. Other people have told me that the World's Fair was due to open in 64 or 63, and the city was cleaning up its act as a way to kind of monetize itself, and that some people have wondered, hmm, is one of the reasons they came down on tattooing is they just saw that as an antiquated cultural form that was talking about where maybe the city government didn't want to go. To its credit, I think it was 1991 when tattooing was re-legalized, the uh, city stepped up. The city knew that there was tattooing going on. They invited these tattoo artists to come to City Hall, and they, used, they had a series of uh, public hearings where tattoo artists were actually asked by the health department, how do we clean this up? When asked about the most important thing about tattooing, Mike said, Well, the first thing is that it never goes away. Fine Line Tattoo is recognized as the oldest tattoo shop in Manhattan. Mihai Bacchetti's father started tattooing in 1976 and officially opened the shop in 1997 when the ban on tattooing was lifted. Mihai runs his father's legendary locale today and continues to give one-of-a-kind tattoos. He shared what it was like to get a tattoo in his family's shop way back when. My name is Mihai Bacchetti. I am the current proprietor of Fine Line Tattoo one of the oldest tattoo shops in New York, probably the oldest in Manhattan. We're located at 21 First Avenue in the Lower East Side. So when was this tattoo shop established? Well, essentially, my father started tattooing in this neighborhood in uh, 1976, right in the middle of the prohibition of, on tattooing in New York. And we opened up here on First Avenue in 1997 when the ban was lifted. At, before that, we were over on Bowery and Houston. So your dad opened a tattoo parlor when tattooing was illegal in New York City? Essentially, because of the legality, I mean, in retrospect, it was a health code violation. 
but people were leery of trying to open storefronts or advertising or anything like that. So essentially, he worked by word of mouth appointment only out of the loft space that, that we lived in at the time. So was it like a speakeasy, a special knock to get in, that kind of thing? Essentially, you, you really you had to be in the know. You had to really want to get tattooed. The demand wasn't so great back then. It wasn't quite as popular a thing as it is now. But it was all appointment only. So, uh, you know, if you knew the right person, then knew the right person, you'd get the phone number, call up, make an appointment, and so on and so forth. So how did the business change when the prohibition was lifted? Well, they forced us into legitimacy. Um, the overhead went through the roof, you know. The popularity has grown exponentially over the last 20-something years. Here in New York, before the ban was lifted, there were really only a handful of people tattooing here and not all that many people looking to be tattooed. Um, Right about 1997, shops started popping up all over the place and uh, it's become part of the popular culture, tattooing. How has your clientele changed over the years since you've set up shop here in 97? Uh, Well, there's a lot more of it. A lot more people are interested in it. It's become, like I said, part of the popular culture. Now it's uh, on some level sort of a commercial endeavor. Well, that's good for the bottom line. Is that boring for you at all? Well, it's a double-edged sword. You know what I mean? It, it, I enjoy the kind of grittiness of the old school, of the way things used to be. But I also enjoy the opportunity to do more work and welcome more people. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. But if anything, probably the amount of women being tattooed these days, that's changed unbelievably. What was your first tattoo, and when? Uh, I was about 15. I got a little kind of Grateful Dead logo on my back, you know. Did your dad do it? Yeah, yeah, he did it for me. Made me get a note from my mother. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That must be pretty meaningful for you to have been inked by your father. Yeah, yeah, he he tattooed me quite a bit, actually, and and I tattooed him. So it was kind of an interesting bond, and uh, it was a very neat thing to get to know my parent on more than just a parental level. You have a lot of designs on your walls. What's your advice to someone who does want to get tattoos, never had one before? How do you choose? That's the age-old question. It kind of has to speak to you. A tattoo will find you more than you find it. But all the drawings on the walls in this place were hand-drawn by the people here. This entire wall is all my father's drawings here. In my booth, this is all my stuff. And then the other guys at work here, that's all... You know, there's stuff over there. So it's kind of unique, actually, to the trade to have a store where everything is is unique to the place. Um, So even if you come here, you pick something off the wall, chances are you're not going to run into somebody else with it. The rich history of tattooing in New York City doesn't just pertain to Manhattan. Angelo Scotto co-owns Champion Tattooing in the Bronx. Scotto and his associate Jasmine Rodriguez try to maintain the old-school vibe of their shop. But tattooing is a booming business right now, so Scotto and Jasmine have learned to adjust their craft to meet the needs of today's clients. How long have you been tattooing in the Bronx? Since 1967. So you were tattooing when tattooing was not legal in New York City? Well, the only thing illegal is a sick bird. You know, that's the only thing illegal is a sick bird. But uh, I'm tattooing at this location for 25 years. What drew you to tattooing? I came from a neighborhood 
it was kind of like a rite of passage. I came from a very heavily Italian neighborhood, and everybody was tattooed. You know, like everybody that was like probably 15 and up were tattooed. But I was too young at the time. I was like nine years old, 10 years old. And then when I, and my uncle, I had uncles that were very, very heavily tattooed from Charlie Wagner, very heavily. They were longshoremen, construction workers, you know. And uh, I used to look at my uncle Paul like in awe. You know, he had the big battleship on the chest, the, the typical tattoos. What neighborhood was that here in the Bronx? A place called Villa Avenue between Bedford Park and uh, between the Concourse and Jerome. So that all said, how old were you when you got that first tattoo? I was 15. And what was the tattoo? It was mom and dad on my right arm. Mom and dad, you know, that was like a kind of first tattoo I wanted to get. You know? Mom and dad happy about that? No, that's why I got mom and dad. <laughs> Even though all their, you know, their brothers and they were all tattooed and everything, they were not happy. They were not happy about it. How has the industry changed in all of these years since you started? See, that's the problem, the word industry. That's a problem. Why is that a problem? Because it wasn't supposed to be an industry. There's no more mystique anymore. There's, you know, there's, when I went for a tattoo, it was, you know, you had to go. I went out to Long Island to the Moskowitz Brothers, and they had to look for a light bulb in the window, and you walked in and you knew you were in a tattoo place. What have you done to maintain some of that mystique here at your tattoo shop? Well, I try to keep it as old school as possible. But, you know, it's it's hard to do that, you know, like with the basic uh, Charlie Wagner-type tattoos, things like that, uh, typical East Coast New York tattoos. It's very, very difficult to keep it old school with the, the trend. You know, you see, that tattooing's trendy. It's mainstream America right now. And they'll come up to you and they'll put the Pinterest phone in your face, you know, and you have to do it, you know. You have to do it. Uh, even though you don't want to, you have to. To what would you attribute the mainstreaming of tattooing to? Well, ever since Dennis Rodman and Cher got tattooed, that was it. They opened up a whole new world to tattooing. You know, uh, Cher, she showed her... Uh, her derriere. That was what I was looking for. <laughs> I was going to say but She showed the world that tattoo, and Dennis Rodman was all tattooed. So now, you know, everybody wanted to follow them. And that, that's really what changed it right there. I think that was like 80, I want to say 88, 89 in that era. So you, you lost like a lot of that crowd. It's very, very much accepted now. I was just talking to somebody on the phone, and she wants to get a tattoo below her elbow. You know, and I said, you know, kind of put it below the elbow. You, know, you never know what's going to happen years from now. She goes, but it's accepted. If I could turn back time, if I could Champion tattoo artist Jasmine Rodriguez specializes in cover-ups. She attracts her clientele by offering services for botched or unwanted tattoos. Jasmine adds more desirable ink to already existing art. Now, you are known for cover-ups, right, now? That's a specialty of yours? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm well known for cover-ups. Uh, I was on a show uh, called Tattoo Nightmares, and that's what I specialize in. So what does that mean specifically for someone listening right now and say, what are you talking about, cover-ups? So what I basically do is I take your existing art and I cover it with something that would be more desired. (laughs) So these are basically tattoos that people said, wow, why did I have that done? Yes, sometimes, you know, a lot of these stories start with I was drinking 
or something along the lines of that, or I was too young, or, you know, for the wrong reasons, a spite tattoo. Those things never work out. <laughs> How complicated is it to make something out of something that's already there? It's fairly complicated. What you want to try to do is use some of the existing tattoo and try to use some of those lines and incorporate them into the tattoo that you're going to put just in case it decides it wants to poke its ugly head. How would you say what you do has changed in all of the years that you've been doing it now? Well, especially with the cover-ups, you know, back then it was like you get it covered with like something black, a panther or a grim reaper. And along with tattooing and along with everything else, we've come such a long way now. We're able, you know, the ink is more opaque, so you're able to do a lot more things with it. And there's just other options now besides something big and black. What about the role of women in tattooing? When you came on the scene, were there many women? Has that changed? There was not a lot of females in the industry, and the ones that were there, you know, had to be there for quite some time before they even got any respect from any males. And it's, we've come a long way just in history, period. <laughs> Especially for tattooing now. We're, now we're everywhere. We've infiltrated, so it's, it's over for you guys. <laughs> Zoe Bean knows exactly what it's like to be a female tattooer in New York City. She and her business partner, who's also a woman, recently opened the New Moon Studio in Brooklyn. They aim to cultivate an environment that feels especially safe for minority members in the tattooing community, like women. Her husband, Sweetie, is also a tattoo artist. He works in Manhattan. And as you'll soon understand, they most definitely are the coolest parents in their New Jersey suburb. Sweetie definitely sort of opened the door for me into tattooing, um, where you kind of introduced me to the dark side of tattooing a little bit. What does that mean, the dark side did, of tattooing? I did my first three or four tattoos on him in the middle of the night after some drinks. Um, before I was learning to tattoo, it was kind of how he got me, I think. Which are they, sweetie? Are they any no, of no, the visible no. ones here? Yeah, they're all, they're all visible. Uh, let's see. This little anchor right here is the first one she did. Um, she did the lips. Uh, this whole leg is a collection of Horrible. mostly tattoos from people who aren't tattooers. And it's, it's what you do. It's like you're out having some drinks, you're having fun, and it's like, I have keys to the tattoo shop. It's 3 in the morning. Let's go get some beer and go back and like make bad choices. This isn't necessarily <laughs> how it is anymore. I don't know if maybe no. we've gotten older or just um, tattooing has evolved a little bit. I mean, How long was, ago was that then? This was probably like 11 or 12 years ago. No, this was, no, I mean, we've been together almost 14 years, so that, this is... That was, it was before I started tattooing. I started tattooing in 2006, so it was probably 2004, 2005, somewhere in that, that time frame. But, I mean, I think probably younger tattooers are probably still doing stupid stuff like that. But now, like, you know, we're older and have a kid, and I just want to go home. I don't want to go to the bar until 3 in the morning so I could do dumb tattoos at night. When did you get your first tattoo, sweetie? I got my first tattoo on my 18th birthday. How about you? I got my first tattoo in 1988 or 89. Sorry, Mom. Um... Many tattooing was illegal in New York until 1997, so I got tattooed in some gentleman's apartment, and I use the word gentleman very loosely. Uh, and I was like 80 pounds, soaking wet, and I feel lucky that I survived the experience. As a, I, the worst thing that happened to me was I left there with a really bad tattoo. What was that tattoo? It doesn't matter. It's all gone now. Sweetie doesn't even know what it was. 
Um, I covered it before we even met. A friend of ours covered it for me, and I'm sure he doesn't remember what it was either. I asked him. He doesn't I asked him, and he doesn't remember. Yeah. What was yours, sweetie? Uh, my first tattoo was the word unity on my lower back. That was your first tattoo? Yeah, I thought the dragon was your first tattoo. Dragon, dragon was the second tattoo. Okay. Unity was the first. I was really into the band Operation Ivy at the time. And uh, a bunch of my friends also have the word unity, different parts of their body. but So it's kind of like a, I don't know. A we, bro tat. A bro tat, yeah. <laughs> Basically, it's gone. I covered it up. Zoe, how did you hone your craft? Oh, God, I think I'm still working on that. Um, <laughs> Practice, I guess, a lot. Uh, a lot of practice. Uh, I've been really fortunate that I've found people who have been willing to kind of let me do my thing, and um, I'm good at convincing people. I can talk people into stuff sometimes. Uh, but I think just practice. Lots you do a style work. known as dot work, right? Uh, yeah, I do. What I do. is involved with dot work? Um, millions and millions of dots. <laughs> It's just making lots of lots of dots. I think if I wasn't making dots, I'd probably be a serial killer. It's like a therapeutic, you know, I, ha I have to get it out. I, that's what my drawings look like also. Where do you draw your inspiration from? Oh, lots of different places. I'm from Sweetie for sure, um, from Victorian um, botanical prints and scientific illustrations. Um, I love, like, things like cabinets of natural curiosity and the... The Museum of Natural History and um, American History. Sweetie, how different is your style of tattooing from Zoe's? Um, I mean, I do more like a traditional Americana style. Um, so, I mean, I guess like the, the basics are the same, you know, strong, bold lines. Um, but I don't make dots. I do uh, color and shading. Zoe, do people come to you specifically because they're aware of the kind of work you do and where you draw your inspiration from? Um, sometimes. I think, like, I'm, like I said, I'm really fortunate. So um, I get people, now I'm primarily working in dot work. Like, so I, um, people come to me because they want that style of work. Sweetie, are you noticing any particular trends right now in tattooing? Um, I mean, I think... Like, tattooing now is such a, I don't know, I guess inclusive. Like, everybody is getting a tattoo. Like, it used to be, I think when I first started, there was trends as far as, like, Hebrew lettering was really popular or Sanskrit or, you know, small script on the ribs. Now it's like, like, I work in a shop where it's more, we do more walk-ins, so it's more kind of people just come in and get tattooed and... I could do all of those. There's so many different kind of styles that people are doing and, and approaches, and there's so many tattooers out there doing different things that I don't think there's one particular trend. Zoe, as a woman in the tattoo industry, are you aware of any particular differences? I mean, as a woman in the world, there are some major differences right now, um, and always, I guess. I think, you know, for women in tattooing, for a very long time, it was very male-dominated, and that's just not the case anymore. And I think social media has really leveled the playing field in some ways where, um, and in some ways it hasn't. Um, you know, there are great things and bad things about it, but I think for women, there are a lot more women tattooing now, and I would say there are as many women tattooing as men at this point. And it's one of the few fields where, because it's not 
there's no sort of career path or salary track or any of those things. Like women seem to be doing very well for themselves. And I know that for me, I've, I've been really fortunate especially recently, to work with a lot of really talented women. So my partner here at the New Moon Studio is a woman, and we have a lot of guests that come through, and they are women as well, for the most part. And I think for me, I just feel, it feels really comfortable to be working with other women. Most of my clients are women or queer, or and I think, like, for them too, it feels comfortable. But I don't think tattoos make you look tough anymore. I think, like, it used to be, especially when I started getting tattooed, part of getting tattooed was that I wanted to be other. I was trying to separate myself from girls specifically around me. And, like, being a woman and getting a lot of tattoos was was something, you know, it was it was definitely something. And people were more wary of you if you had a lot of tattoos. Like, people wouldn't approach someone who looked like Sweetie necessarily, and now it's nothing, and people feel totally okay to come up and say crazy stuff to you or to grab me on the street, which happens often. Um, Like, and that's one thing about being a woman in tattooing or being a heavily tattooed woman that, like, no one touches him ever, obviously, other than me. But... Like, no one touches him in an unsolicited way. Like, women who are heavily tattooed get people put their hands on you. They're like, oh, I want to see your tattoos. I'm like, yeah, and you are still a stranger touching me. Like, it's my body. It's not okay. So I think, you know, some of the, the you know, don't mess with me stuff that used to, be, used to come from being heavily tattooed has definitely gone away with tattoos becoming more part of the mainstream. That being said, what is it for you about tattoos? What do you like about tattoos? I don't, you know, I mean, I always liked tattoos. I remember as a little kid, um, my dad had some friends that were bikers and they had tattoos and like just kind of like the, seeing them like in the 80s and being like, wow, that's cool. And then I had a, uh, my friend who became a tattooer pretty much right out of high school. And so like he tattooed me and he tattooed all of my friends. And it's like I always knew that I wanted tattoos and and I always thought that the, just the idea of them was cool. And I think it's like it was always said, it's like it was other. It was like people didn't, people weren't heavily tattooed. And, you know, I got my first tattoo in 93, and people weren't heavily tattooed then. Like, you know, unless you went into a tattoo shop and saw a tattooer. Do you miss the days where it was more unique? It set you apart. Um, I mean, I, you know, I am, I think, by nature, a nostalgic person. I think that part of what draws me to tattoos is their permanence. And so there is definitely something lost when something that is outsider becomes insider. Um, But I also think that, you know, tattooing is evolving, as all things do. And um, I think the evolution of tattooing has allowed me to be the kind of tattooer I am. I don't think I could do what I do. I wouldn't have been able to cultivate this type of work 10 years ago. Are you the cool parents? I mean, come on. You're the cool parents, aren't you? <laughs> no. 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 We're, we're just like any other parents. We're struggling to figure it out, and every time we feel like we have a handle on whatever our kid is doing, he changes in some dramatic way, and we're back to square one. I mean, I think, you know, we live in the suburbs, and we definitely don't blend in, um, especially at the pool over the summer. We get a lot of parents coming up to us and mostly asking us where they could get tattooed. Um, but I think, you know, I think you, parenting is the great, like, universal leveling. I don't know, it's a leveler, right? Like, everyone who has a kid goes through all the same kind of struggles and 
you learn about who you are as a person based on how you parent. But they're not, I don't think it, having tattoos makes you the cool parents anymore. I think it makes you the normal parents. It's just, you're just one of, one of another set of parents that has tattoos, so. One thing, one thing I think is interesting, and this is, feels very new to me, and I know you've had this experience too, is that now kids are aspiring to be tattoo artists, which was not something that was even on my radar as a kid. Like, it was like, you know, there was, like, people who had, like, messed up in some way in their life got into tattooing. That was the perception, especially in my parents' house. And now, like, I'll get emails from people where it's like, my 15-year-old daughter wants to become a tattooer. What advice could you give her? And our, we are, like, we break hearts because we're like, you know, don't do it. Run for your life. Just the idea that a kid now is growing up and seeing seeing tattoos as such a mainstream thing and also seeing it as a possibility as like a career path is so far from the experience that I think both of us had. They see the glamour in tattooing, but they don't want to, they don't want to go through the hard work of what Wait, it takes to. There's glamour in tattooing? Now oh. you tell me that? Wow, I had no idea. I, I didn't say there was glamour. I said people see glamour. Uh, there's, a, there's a difference. You know, they see what they want to and, yeah. and, uh, I mean, we have a pretty gra glamorous life. Like, we live in New Jersey. We drive a Subaru. It's pretty exciting stuff. I never thought that would happen. I know. <laughs> Zoe, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Sweetie, thank you. Thank you very much. So, are you ready to get your next tattoo? Or maybe even get your first ever? If so, just remember, think about it beforehand a bit. These things last forever. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Fiona Shea, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you.